This is the Monday Nooner Podcast, brought to you by... Healthy Eyes Optometry and Dr. Sean Fleming with two locations in Regina. Get your eyeballs checked at Healthy Eyes Optometry in Harbor Landing and on Rochdale. High Tech Profiles, the locally owned and operated steel processor serving the agricultural, mining, construction, oil and gas and creative industries. Serving Western Canada and the Northern U.S. for over 25 years. High Tech is your 24-7 solution to ensure that you meet your deadlines. Sports Clips in Regina. You need your salad cut and want to do it while watching sports? Why wouldn't a guy? Get your full VIP treatment, including the deadly steam towel and scalp massage at Sports Clips Regina. Dave Price Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon. Your hard-working specialist that'll get your home or land sold. If you're looking to buy, get Dave Price at Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon working for you. Ashton trying to get that glove off and his hand free. And, oh, there's a right hand. Oh, down goes Kegel. Solid right hand by Aaron Ashton. Well, Cam Jansen oh, wants to go to somebody. And Aaron, Aaron Ashton and they were teammates in New Jersey. Off the faceoff, Tanner Glass and former Penguin Aaron Ashton. Ashton played the last two seasons in Pittsburgh. It's turned across to Briere. Then Ashton, he scores! Ashton has tied the game at the other way. Dropped off by Kreider. Asham a shot. He scores! Asham! Loose in front. Asham holds. Score! Well, hello and a big welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number 44 of the Monday Nooner podcast. Of course, the episode, as always, brought to you by our title sponsor, Rosetown Mainline Motors, the number one rural GM dealer in Saskatchewan, and also brought to you by Mainline Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram in Rosetown. Worth the drive, every time guaranteed. And of course, they are the king of trucks. Want to introduce the guys to kick off the show. Shane Belter, how are you doing this week? Good boss, ready to rock and roll. Glad to see the fellas here. Glad Sean Kindop series awake still, so it should be a good show. It's uh, twirl forty four, like I mentioned. I think Sean Kindop, who's a uh, non essential service of the podcast, is here for about twirl number nineteen or twenty. He's just under fifty percent attendance, but uh, good to see you, Kindro. Boss, I'm glad Rhonda let you out of the bedroom to hang out with the fellas. It's uh, it's good to be here and. Uh, Excited for some laughs with the boys. You look I love, like you're parched. I love the look on your face when somebody says something about you and you're thinking about what you're going to say back. It's so funny. Like, Anyway, yeah, no, good good to have you here this week. And Chink, how's it going? Uh, yeah, guys, hell of a start again. Uh, you know what? It's probably the, the best part of the week is how I figure out how you guys are going to jap each other right off the bat and what's who's going to do what. And yeah, no, it's... Uh, Let's get let's get her going. Got a couple interviews today. Yeah, big show coming up. Of course, the come up for Realty One and our friend Joel Trap, Rob Peterson, residential commercial. Uh, check those guys out. Talk to them. Don't leave money on the table. Give them a call whether you're buying or selling. It's that time of the year. I'm sure lots of properties quick, moving right now. Quick story before the come up about those two guys. They helped a guy selling privately. Didn't list with them. Just a friend 
helped him do all the paperwork. Just nothing. Yeah, no, I'll help you do all the paperwork. So it's all done properly on both sides. Boom, boom. Those are the kind of guys that, you know, because you know you're going to get the deal later on. So, yeah, coming up on the program, two interviews, as we said, Curtis Hunt from the Prince Albert Raiders. And Huntsy was kind of instrumental in getting this bubble going along with some of the Regina Pats. He's going to talk about being in the dorm right now, and he says he's wandering around like a, a bear in a zoo, all four corners. So uh, Huntsy's joining us. We're going to have the ever-popular segment, Take a Seat, Son. Back for another. We don't know where Shane Belter is going to go with his fishing, hunting, tirade, collectible corner. It'll be something new as per usual. Uh, shout outs. We're going to talk. Actually, right away here, we're going to talk about our uh, Monday Nooner Pick'em. That it just keeps picking up speed. And if you haven't been playing that on Twitter, you got to. We're going to fill you in on how to get going on that. And the interview this week, Aaron Asham, former NHL tough guy he fought a lot of guys i don't know how would you describe him boss yeah i wouldn't say he was a heavyweight but i would say he was a guy that wasn't afraid to uh go just about anybody i thought it was interesting he played almost 800 regular season games so uh quite a nice career can't wait to get into that and senior hockey talk we're gonna have the player from yesteryear coming up and then we're also going to tease a senior hockey story uh, another separate segment on a triple a team from the province coming up in the shellbrook elks we're gonna have a few clips from that program that's going to be releasing later this week so that's the come up for joel trap and rob peterson at realty one Kent, i got a question for you guys why is it just me and shane that you guys do first last name yeah, Shane Belter, Sean Kinnob, and then it's Barney and or Shink and Boz. It's Barry. <laughs> Barry. They just had to ask. And Boz. You're on the ball tonight, Kinner. Wow, you're you really are. buzzing. Yeah, no well, must way be to pick new, up on that. Must be your new glasses. Maybe your new goggles get you all focused. Feel like my the glasses f- help me hear better. I just figured I'd ask you guys. feel like the mm. fucking game is starting, and you're wondering why the anthem singer is wearing what she It's like, who cares? Yeah, like, play the game, up? man. Talk to us. I know. Just I'll let, pass the torch back off to Barry Shukerik and <laughs> Ronda yeah. Bob, Brandon Boss. Are the are the Ryan Rockets upstairs right now? You don't even know. Oh, here. full props to them though. Their Twitter game was on point yeah. this weekend. You got to fill people Literally. in because you got to remember people had are just starting to listen to us for like the last maybe two three episodes. So fill yeah. them in, Kinner, on the Ryan Rockets quickly. That story, how this all happened. Well. Cole's Notes version, we uh, bought 22 fresh t-shirts for everyone for a little charity thing. I posted one of my wife wearing it on a Sea-Doo, and they proceeded to put a real estate sign on my lawn like Joel and Rob. <laughs> and ever since then, it's... How come you don't use their last names? You just use their first names, Joel <laughs> yeah, and Rob. Why wouldn't they, guy? Because I'm a freaking human being. <laughs> so, yeah, that's when we talk about the Ryan Rockets. It's because they they have a little thing for... Mrs. What K. are like? They're like a s- fastball team, or like a? I think so. <laughs> Does anybody know. even know who these guys are? Orthodox, <laughs> a bunch of beauties. <laughs> yeah, no, I can just picture one guy, shit. one guy sitting in his basement, just <laughs> sliding into Mrs. K's DMs. Just <laughs> lives in his mom's basement. Uh, <laughs> they yeah, they were doing good work this weekend. They're on fire. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, but hey, let's let's face it. 
We all love Mrs. K. Ryan Rockets love her even more than you. Do we want to talk about, uh, we usually save it for the end, but we should talk about that Monday Nooner pick come early here in the show, I think. What do you guys Let's think? Go. Let's yeah. go. How's it? Yeah, tee it up and let her fly. Yeah, so for uh, people who don't know about it, the Monday Nooner Pick'em is a contest we've got going on our Twitter uh, with our friends at GB Construction and Colin McLeod from Talbot Marketing. we got the bit of a wag on official Monday Nooner shirts, and a lot of people asking about buying them. The only way to get them is to win them, and the only way to win them is by uh, following us on Twitter and, uh, I guess, correctly predicting the first goal scorer in uh, the NHL game that we feature whatever night it is of the week. So with the hashtag Monday Nooner pick them, correct Boz? Because we got so many pigeons that have played this before that Chuck names down without that. And guess what? You're out. We are not putting you in. Put the hashtag. Not the smartest guys. And just so people out there. Yeah. um, GB construction. Thank you so much. Awesome. And call them a cloud. So if you need any promotional stuff done here, going into the, I guess summer, spring season, maybe some golf balls or shirt. And these are quality shirts. Let's touch on that too. We didn't cheap out and go with like, uh, you know, the Kresge special. These are, they don't bacon neck. These are like really good quality shirts. Yeah. Huge, huge shout out to Al, Al out, uh, out in Kipling there. He's got the rink and the liquor store. And, uh, yeah, no, we really appreciate all his help and uh, everything those guys have done for us, uh, for sure over GB construction. I actually saw one of their trucks the other day, uh, east, east, southeastern Saskatchewan. I know they do a lot of work throughout all the prairie, the prairies, and they do a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, jobs throughout Western Canada. Awesome company there, so uh, appreciate their support. My neighbor to the right of me is twenty two GM or uh, twenty twenty Geomatics. Sorry, and beside him is GB Construction. Well, let's go, Sponsor Lane. Line them up. Fun fact: Sponsor Lane. Sponsor Lane. Oh, it looks like a little summer uh, soiree between the houses. Maybe We're trying to plan a block party once COVID's done. Do people still do Five block years. parties? No, we should start. Oh, those are like in the day. Like there's always the one guy on the block that's like, nah, no. Nah, oh, just you told- know the ro- you know the Rockets will bring a paddling pool over and try to get Mrs. K in there. You probably got some WT guy with balls hanging in the back of his truck. Everyone knows if that guy comes, he's just going to be too drunk and he's going to start trying to fight everybody. And then his wife, then they're going to start having a domestic and they're gonna, she's going to cry <laughs> with his mohawk and then hat on backwards, white sunglasses on the back of his head. Yeah. Yeah. His freaking sled still on the back of his truck. And he said he and shows up drunk probably because he's coming from his slow pitch game. And it's July. <laughs> Speaking of sucking back a nice cold 016 or uh, a prairie wheat, uh, that's actually what I was drinking on the weekend, Great Western Prairie Wheats. There's some guys ice fishing, right? They, they message us, you might need one here. Or pour a Last Mountain whiskey, which won an award, Last Mountain Gin. Might as well give them a plug, too. You need some alcohol for this. Did you f- see what happened with minor hockey? Belter, you know this. How the government said, you know what? Eight players? Nah, you can put more players on the ice now. You can go 20 players. they got to stay in eights. Go, you know, and swimming pools and all that. So the hockey is the one that we're a hockey podcast we want to touch on here. So that's awesome that the business um, response team says put more kids on the ice. Thank Gord. It's been a long time coming. Only one little problem. They forgot to tell Hockey Saskatchewan. Yeah. 
So it was like a week later, Hockey Sketch was like, okay, what? We can, oh, so then they send out the release. Everybody's confused. They're like, can we really do this now? Why is it dated February like 12th or whatever it was? 19th, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, what What are we doing? We can have eight, six, you can have 24 in each section, eight in each section with six coaches, but you're not supposed to have 10 on the ice with two or 12 on the ice with two coaches for the whole entire ice sheet. doesn't really make much sense, but again, we're not complaining. We're glad everybody's back on the ice and uh, rocking it out and ready to roll. Really unique situation. I don't know where we're going to stand for the, you know, hopefully this WHL thing is we're going to talk to Curtis Hunt in a bit. Hopefully that goes uh, really well. And kudos to the WHL because Hunt talks about the their new WHL streaming service that, um, was it Verizon that did it? Did Verizon, you, did yeah. you, you saw that buzz on the, on the weekend? I guess it was just a total tire fire on the Friday. That's what I heard. I didn't see any videos. I just heard it was a shit show. And like Huntsy's going to say, I mean, they'll wrinkle that stuff out. I'm sure they'll have a top-notch product. I just ordered the uh, Saskatchewan bubble. Kudos, though, to the WHL. Let's get back to that streaming thing that Ron Robinson came, the commissioner came out the next day and was like, we sucked. This was awful. We apologize. So good on them for doing that, not like hiding and skirting and, and just, you know, they, they admitted when they're wrong. And I, I haven't caught the full release, but I think it was earlier today, uh, recording on Tuesday or maybe yesterday, BC announced that they approved yeah. to play there too. So that's good news for any any of the dub guys. There's lots from the Prairies here that play out in BC. So nice to see they're going to get a crack too. And a huge kick in the nuts I've been seeing on social media this week is parents pictures of their kids their last games what well, sorry last practices of minor hockey ever and it's like this is how this is how they go out coming out of a practice it's like oh god i feel so sorry for those kids yeah it's pretty terrible i mean that's all sean kindop went out but uh, it's just because nobody else, nobody picked him up for his last game because he was terrible but i'm gonna go back to back champs there chuck how'd you leave the octagon <laughs> let's get you nerd hey let's get into the shout outs guys for synergy ag local crop input retailer they got a bunch of locations throughout uh saskatchewan so make sure you check them out of course uh the weather is warming up belts it was one of those melting days today and i know uh lots of guys in the ag industry are chomping at the bit with seeding just uh six eight weeks away so make sure you call synergy ag for all your input needs I was out chipping ice today, Boz, cleaning up. I got a drain in front of my house. I was out chipping some ice. All the water runs down there. I'm kind of, I'm the old anal guy on the street, want all the water to run away. So, yeah, I know it was nice. I love I love the warm weather. I love when she warms up, and I don't have to wear anything more than my uh, hashtag sticks and gas hoodie outside. From 22 So you fresh. don't have a shout out still flooding your... <laughs> I was just going to say, DeVito came out in her tank top, no support on, or what? Hey, listen, I got a DeVito story later in the show, but okay. uh, for right now, I'm going to do a quick shout out. Obviously, we're going to go back to a little bit of collectibles. Todd G. O'Reilly gave me a smoking deal on my 82-83 Opeachy set. Three cards I needed to finish it, and I'm all done. Yeah, great guy, Todd I I know how this went last time. You told us somebody gave you a smoking deal, and then you sold the cards for more, and now they're pissed off at you. So yeah. next no, week, hey. Todd's... <laughs> No, me and Todd talked about it. He's good. He doesn't care. He's a big wheeler and dealer. He sells a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of extras there. He said, uh, hook me up. So we. I made, hey, I've learned my lesson. I make sure it's like a verbal contract now. I make sure that they know I'm selling shit 
after we've made the deal. So everybody's happy. I got uh, Travis Linford. He was on our Twitter. WestJet ha- guy. Yes. So he's a freaking pilot. So cool. Nice. Uh, from that Raymore Siemens area. And he had his kids or his hockey team shoveling the rink in Siemens. Like, doesn't that take a guy back? Remember having the the, the dads or whatever shoveling in between uh, periods? That was super cool. So, yeah, Travis, good the job. The dads? We always had to do it. The old sheet of plywood with the little metal piece of metal on the end. Good times. I got another one. Clint uh, up north. Uh, been listening to the program now for about two months. He loves it. He loved the fact that uh, February was kind of First Nations month. He's like, you guys had like, you know, Pilon, Métis, Tutu, Indigenous, um, you know, it just kind of went, kept going on and on. And it was like, yeah, it was, it was awesome that February kind of all had. And then today uh, we got- Trickles over, yeah. Yeah, we got another one into March. So yeah, Clint, uh, thanks for listening. New listener up there, north of Saskatoon. And before we jump to- too far ahead here we should quickly jump back to our last episode recap because we have a couple of great local sponsors attached to uh that segment being cathedral electric for all your electrical needs give dave spooner a call regina an area he'll get you looked after and of course gentle procedures saskatchewan no needle no scalpel vasectomy last episode we had chris dingman little seven minute garth brooks story to kick off the interview uh that was a great great story that summer of a popular poet. Yeah. The thaw, <laughs> the thaw from his Miss Chelsea uh, Dingman. That summer is like my favorite country song ever. So that was a highlight for me when he was telling the story, playing that with Garth. I like, I like the fact that he talked and just talked and talked. He's obviously been in, in, in radio and Kinner could just play Xbox the whole time. And he actually fit in on that interview. Yeah. The guy, uh, obviously the Garth Brooks story. Really good. Um, you remember, I was watching him play and just, you know, how uh, how much of a force he was. Um, and, yeah, the Technoflex gloves. I had another guy that, that mentioned that, and he's like, you know, he totally remembers the Technoflex. I don't think Chris remembered him, but, yeah. So was- Somebody, Belts, you said he's got a commercial on Sportsnet for those gloves now, too. I haven't seen that. I seen her on Saturday morning, boys. Stout gloves, Chris Dingman. It was fantastic. I actually tried to get you guys a video one time. Me and Sam were playing some mini sticks, and I missed it twice. But, yeah, it was on two times on Sportsnet. So, uh, yeah, check it out, everybody. Sportsnet stout gloves. Uh, Mix in a PVR. You wouldn't have to worry about that stuff. Can't afford it. No more free plugs. Next time we mention stout gloves, he's going to be on a Monday Nooner contract. <laughs> That's right. That was the last episode brought to you by Cathedral Electric and GentleProcedureSaskatchewan.ca. Hey, why wouldn't a guy? It almost feels like spring out there in the busy housing period like we talked about with the realtors earlier. Don't forget about your mortgage broker, Kent Bittner and MortgageForMyCouch.com. A lot of people know Kent down south. Good, honest guy, him and his team. Over 20 years experience in the mortgage game. Always supporting things local. Kent Bittner, look him up. If you're looking for a mortgage, he'll save you some money guaranteed. All right, interview time. This gentleman from Portage La Prairie, Manitoba, played nearly 800 NHL games. He was drafted third round, 71st overall in the 1996 entry draft by the Montreal Canadiens after a great Western Hockey League career with the Red Deer Rebels. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Monday Nooner podcast, Aaron Asham. 
All right, folks, Aaron Asham joining us all the way from Long Island. Aaron, thanks for joining us on the show. Got asked, what are you up to these days? I am actually working with the Islanders. I'm, uh, I don't know, how do you say it? I'm the head alumni of amateur hockey. I guess that's what you call it. I'm doing that. I'm coaching a Bantam major team right now. Just, uh, you know, trying to stay involved. I actually uh, passed my uh, New York life life insurance license somehow. I don't know how I did it, but I, I passed that. So I'm trying to sell a little life insurance here on the side, but just trying to stay busy, stay involved, stay involved in the game, and just trying to friggin' not go crazy, I guess, during this crazy time. So that's the is that the New York Junior Islanders that you're coaching? Yes, the New York Junior Islanders Triple A team. And are you guys playing hockey? Because people up here are losing their minds, right? Whether it's Manitoba has been locked down forever. Yeah, Although- I know it's, we are, we actually were, uh, we started off basically on time, but then we got shut down for, uh, for at least two months. And, you know, we just, we're allowed on the ice once, twice a week, but we, we're still actually allowed on the ice, which was huge for the kids because it was, well, you guys all know it was just a brutal time. It's you know we're still we're trying to still trying to recover and and get over it, but it's uh, it was a tough year, definitely a tough year for everyone. So what we like to do on this show um, is kind of go back to your roots and growing up and minor yeah. hockey and guys you played with and against and junior and that kind of thing. So you grew up in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba, uh, yeah. playing for the Terriers there, obviously. It'd be kind of a rough town. So what was it like growing up <laughs> oh, in God. Portage? Uh, Portage was, it's definitely, it's definitely a rough town. Still is a rough town. Uh, I grew up with, uh, with three brothers. Uh, we came from a pretty, pretty rough family. You know, we're, a lot of them were involved with the, with the cops, a lot of, a lot of jail time, you know, uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, the biker stuff and, uh, you know, for me, that like, that's all, that's all I knew growing up was, a lot of police activity and you know all that sort of stuff and that was just something that I was like you know I, I was used to growing up to and thank god I stuck with hockey you know it seemed like whenever I started at a very young age I was always one of the one of the better players and just loved hockey so much that like that's all I focused on growing up was you know I was either in my yard shooting pucks so I was I was always doing something involved with hockey and uh kept me off the streets for most most of the time and uh you know thank god that i uh you know i chose that left path because you know right now who knows where where i would be you getting lots of uh like obviously you were a gritty player and you weren't afraid to fight on the ice but lots of fights growing up as a kid oh god that's that's all i did was it seemed like it, it just seemed like it trickled down because you know my brothers were always it's it was like they're it was like a bad signal or something like any time I was in any type of trouble with, it was just boom. I just had people there to, you know, to look after me, and that's how I kind of, you know, played my game. Is anyone touched any of my teammates? So I was, like, I was gonna be the first guy in there, and you know, and in trouble, I'm the first guy there. And I was just how I was raised, how I grew up, and I still am to this day. So you're, uh, let's let's go back to maybe the the late '80s. Uh early 90s you know that minor hockey in Portage and, and you said you know you were a bit of a player and whatnot who do you remember uh, playing against whether it's tournaments or minor hockey you know some of the guys yeah. that uh, that were really head turners Ryan Robson he played with uh he played with Russell 
and he was he was one of the top players in Manitoba, and I was you know right there battling with him, and we used to have phenomenal games with him, and just I ended up playing with him with Team Manitoba, and and, and got to know him as a guy, but right there with me, if not better. How does the First Nations uh, thing come into play here, Aaron? Where where are you from? Is you know what res are you from? Did you play in a lot of the native tournaments growing up as a kid? Um, well, I'm from Portsbury, but my family was one of the first Métis families in actually in Manitoba. It was called Manitoba House. It was the first actually Métis reservation in in Manitoba. You know, we're a lot of hunters, a lot of uh, a lot of fishermen, and I didn't grow up tra- traditional on a reservation. I, you know, I was in Portsbury, but I had those those native roots, and you know, something that we uh, you know to this day we still you know we still got a lot of hunting. We, we still do a lot of fishing. At what point in time, I guess, do you think, hey, you know, this is going to be maybe somewhere I'm going to go with hockey and and the Rebels come calling? It was actually my second year in Bantam. I made the AAA team as a 15-year-old and was playing with them. But we were such a bad team that they gave they gave the underage kids, it was me and Daryl Patterson, they gave us the option to go back to Bantam after 21 games with the midget team or stay with the midgets and have your season end in like three weeks. I'm going to go back to Bantam. I'm going to play for another extra month and a half. And because I was, I wasn't drafted in the Bantam draft, just trying to prove myself that I could actually play. And we had our provincial tournament and uh, I guess he was one of my mentors in town. He was the guy that would, <laughs> he'd pick me up for lunch at school. And he would, once a week we'd go out for lunch and he would rip me a new asshole and tell me I, sucking me with the doing and blah 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 but his name was bob calder but you know you got a pretty good chance or you gotta fucking dummy up because i was a fucking idiot when i was younger right but i had bob who would fucking bring me down to earth take me out for lunch and tell me like you're an idiot like got so much talent you gotta be able to do this and bob was a friend of the family he still is like without this guy and without the other people that looked after me and thank god i had you know four or five hockey guys like my coach basically, you know, basically raised me from Peewee to, you know, my last year at Bantam with taking me to tournaments and paying for everything. Like, I'd be skipping practice and hanging out with my buddies in the pool hall. And he'd come walking in and let's go practice. And I was like, oh, well, fuck. You know, thinking I was being sneaky, but he'd, he'd find me. He cared. He's seen so much potential in me that to this day, like, my kids call him grandpa. And, you know, he's probably one of the closest person in my life. Even with my mom and dad alive, this guy is, he's right up there with them. So I heard a, a story that when Red Deer, when you were on their radar, one of their coaches or a scout or something actually came to Portage and picked you up and said, Come with me. We're going to camp. Is that true? Yeah. That's, yeah. That was, that was Carter, Carter Sears. We did our provincials thing and I had a, just, we played five games and I just, I had a phenomenal tournament. I had like 28 points. You know, and the one game that Red Deer came to see me, I had nine points. We we won ten to ten to five against the Paw, and I had five goals, four assists. So after the game, I walk out, and they came down. They they see me play a few games, and I was averaging eight six points a game or whatever it was, and went out after after the the nine point game against against the Paw, and he was like, "We're listening." I didn't know what that meant. Why no Bantam draft then? Because of my family, even for the for the NHL draft, I I heard a lot of the, like my family, 
you know, the jail, the, you know, the drugs, the assaults, you know, the bike gangs and teams look into that. I, I look at the first round of 96 draft and should have been a top 10, you know, but in my mind, you know, you know, my family background and, you know, we didn't have the best name. That's, that's for sure. And, you know, I'm still trying to change that to this day. So you mentioned that those junior years and you did have some awesome years in Red Deer. Were you ever considered for a world junior team or anything? Because, like, you were top 20 in scoring in the league. I was uh, under, under, was it 18 or under, yeah, the under 18 team. I played the national team there, top three in scoring on the team. And I came back to Red Deer and, uh, and I was, I started off really good. I was top five in scoring and then I separated my shoulder right around Christmas time, around camp time healed like a week before camp and they were just like you know we're not gonna risk it just didn't uh, didn't pan out but you know i did get to play for my country in the u18 and uh you know have that in my resume so when you when you get to red deer and you know we we talked to two two obviously it's not the same coming from rank land but kind of the same right like you know you're running with this rough crowd um you know you're going to red deer now was it was it a bit of a culture shock was it tough that first year the first few months Aaron you know what was tough was actually leaving town because when Carter came they gave like they had a bus ticket for me and I went to the my dad dropped me off and I went to the bus and I was like just had a new fucking girlfriend and I said I'm not going (laughs) I didn't go, and then Carter, like, they're expecting me in Red Deer. And, like, I'm, like, literally a small-town guy. Now my dad drops me off, and he's like, okay, see ya. Like, no emotion. My, my old man just doesn't have any emotion. I'm like, he's like, okay, man, well, good luck. I was like, fuck it, I'm not going new girlfriend. I'm not leaving. Take me back. He dropped me off at the movie theater. I went and met her in there, and then I got a call from Carter. He's like, I'm coming to pick you up. And he's in Red Deer. So he must have seen, he must have, you know, obviously seen something in me. But he drove down to my parents' house and picked me up. Him and his, his wife, 12 hours. First time meeting this guy. Gear, clothes, and I'm fucking sitting in the back. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I was so, so scared. I don't know what I'm doing. Fresh hickey from making out with your new lady. Heavy oh, <laughs> hickeys. You know, you got to leave a hickey, right? <laughs> I brought you back in the early 90s, right? It was definitely hickey. Time. <laughs> so you, you talk about, uh, you know, that, that NHL draft in third round, 71st overall to Montreal. Um, what did you know going into that? Like you mentioned looking at that draft without your reputation, family reputation, you probably should have, should have been a higher pick, but where did you expect to go? Like what were your expectations going in? I was sitting with my agent and he was fourth round. He was like fourth, fifth round. He's like, that's where I think you're at. He was like, do you want to go to the draft? I don't know. I was like, should I? He's like, I think it'd be a good experience. I went by myself. So I got this, big king size bed and my agent was like, whatever you want, just fucking throw it on the room bill. And I'm sitting there eating <laughs> flaming yawns and fucking <laughs> I ended up getting drafted that night. So it was always us and it was, you know, at the draft it was it was always the dub guys hanging out with the dub guys. And it was me, it was Scott Parker, Bell Two and these parks. And yeah. we had Briggs, Brig Travis Brigley. And yeah. 
but there's like six or seven of us. Obviously, we're partying. Yeah, so it, it, you know, on on that part, I just abused the room bill. I was like twenty, like I mean, two twenty fours up. Like my age is paying for a door. <laughs> just fucking abused the bill to the max, and just had a great time. And you know, a a, a day that you just you you know you won't forget. Where was it? It was in St. Louis, the old Keel Center. We, and I was, fuck, we partied. It was awesome. When you stand, call your name, are you just like high-fiving anybody or your parents? Well, I was, I, I was there with my agent. So, I, you know, I gave my agent a fucking, I don't know if I gave him a hug or I gave him a knuckles. You probably know where I'm going to end up going with this, but you end up signing in Montreal. How much was your uh, your signing bonus when you signed? 350 maybe. For a third rounder, that was pretty. That was pretty good money back then, just because I, you know, I had a couple strong years. I heard a bit of a story, and I don't know. I'm sure you've told it in other places, and I don't know all the specifics. But there's a story about getting that money and and cashing that check. Does that sound familiar at all? Or oh fuck yeah, I remember cashing that check. And I, <laughs> and I think all my teammates did because let me tell you, <laughs> I, they didn't spend much money that year. You know, I never came for money. You know, I grew up with four brothers and a lot of the people in my community, you know, helped me get to where I was. So when I got this fucking money, it was like, (laughs) (laughs) I bought a truck. I went to a lot. Like, I'm that kind of guy where like, if I want something, I'm fucking like, boom, I'm going to go get it. So anyways, I got this truck, you know, I never owned anything in my life. So I was like, fucking, so I got it all pimped out and. It's like 35 grand. So I just paid guy cash and I was like, fuck, I got a new truck. Dinners or anything, you know, anytime any of the guys went out and got together, it was like, I'm going to pay for it because, you know, you fucking, they make what, 35, 40 bucks a week. I was like, you know, we had Terry Ryan the year before. You remember Newfie, right, Bell? Yeah. Like, like he signed for 1.5 or whatever it was. So this, he was just, anytime we went out, he was doing the same thing. So like, I'm not going to fucking, Newfie did it. I, you know, once he left, I did it and tried to bring your teammates into, you know, your happiness, your wealth. And that's what I did. And junior hockey, man, it's the best time of your life. Honestly was the best time of my fucking life. So you take a bunch of that cash back to Red Deer and hit Billy Bob's or what? Oh, fuck. I was in the casinos. I was in Billy's. I was in Ezzy's. It was like the <laughs> Wild West. We, we got away with a lot. Like our coaches were really cool. Well, besides our first year, we had fucking Peter Anholt. He was a bit of a tough ass. He grounded me and Witter, Mike Whitney. <laughs> he grounded <laughs> us because our school marks were so bad. This was our like our second month in. And we got a report cards and you got a report him into the fucking coach. So we're having this team meeting. <laughs> I'm sitting in there because I know I was like, every math class is my first class. And I slept through it. Every road trip, well, you know, where I was. So he's reading out the scores and he's like, Mike Whitney, like 38%, blah, blah, blah. Grounded. Asham. Five fucking percent in math. <laughs> he goes, five. You get 10 for putting your name on the fucking paper. Grounded. So me and Witter got grounded like our first two months in. We were grounded for a month. <laughs> we'd go to practice. We'd go to school, home, or we'd go to school, go to practice, and we're fucking home. <laughs> Well, I will say this. You you obviously cut yourself a little short because Mike Whitney told me that it was a good thing you made it as a hockey player because you had a solid 
seven percent average, not five. So you oh, is it seven? A little bit short. Oh, seven. good. Must have wrote your first name. <laughs> I knew. I knew it was. It wasn't over ten. I knew that. So I heard, like, when you would go home in the summers, this yellow Corvette that you had, like everybody knew when they saw that car, it was you, and it was the nicest car in town. I grew up a vet. That was my dream car. Was a Corvette. Like I like that was my first car I was getting was a fucking Corvette. I don't care what it was. So my girlfriend at the time, I guess it was the fiance. I was fucking got married so young. She was like, you know, there's no way you can fucking get a vet. I was like, I'm getting it. She's like, the only way you can get it is like, I like yellow. You get a good yellow. If you get a vet, get the yellow. My dream car, I'm getting the fucking vet. So I fucking went to the dealership. That day, I walked in there, and one of the guys, Kenny Brooks, who's, you know, I knew him from the rink, I knew him from everywhere. I was like, Kenny, I want a fucking vet. He was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Showing me all this stuff. I was like, I want a yellow vet. Uh, you know, I want a for you. It was a 2000 Millennium Edition yellow fucking vet. I made it to Regina in two hours, two and a half hours. And it was like a four and a half hour drive. We made it for last call. Uh, actually, this is a funny story. We're, I'm doing a hockey school in Regina. This is right after I got married. I got married on a Saturday. The camp started on a Sunday. So Sunday morning, there was like the gift opening. Oh, shit, I'm sick now. Like, and we're the, everyone's opening presents. So at a certain time, I was like, we got to go. We got to go. We're going to make the fucking bar. And then we're going to party that night. That's all I was worried about. So I had I was taking my vet up. And I had actually a buddy from Junior, John Sakusi, fucking came down. His dude came down to the wedding and with his wife. We were like, we we're fucking, let's go. We're going to Regina. We're going to fucking go party at Regina. So we left at like 6.30 at night. I was there by 10 o'clock, like 8, 9, 9.30. I was going like Regina. Matt, from Porter to Regina, it's all like two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> Made last call and party that night and did the hockey school for the week and throw back home. It was awesome. <laughs> so you come out of uh you come out of junior, you played a little bit in Fredericton during your last year, 97, 98 of junior, but then 98, 99, you know, you play most of your year in Fredericton, but you get a little taste of the show. Did you start in the show that year? Or did you get called up that year? No, I got called up. I started the year in Freddie. I think I was I got called up right before Christmas. I know that. Cause I was hoping they're gonna keep me up over the Christmas break. <laughs> But I got called up, and you know, let me tell you, it was just because my first like few months in Freddie, it was it was like a big culture change, like from junior to pro. Like everyone's bigger, everyone's stronger, you know, every, you know, everything's crisp, and uh, you know, I it, it took me a little time to to get used to everything, and I was surprised for my first call up with from Montreal, and. Went up there and I didn't know what to expect. I think they played like six or seven games and then they sent me down, which was expected. I was hoping they were gonna keep me up, but I went down and I once I got down, I really found my game. I got my confidence. So I was I think I ended up with like close to forty points and over hundred penalty minutes and playoffs. I think I led the AHL close to leading the AHL in playoffs in playoff points. So I, I just got that confidence and, you know, realizing that, you know, I can play at this level and Hey, fuck, I'm pretty good. And just mix kind of everything together. And, uh, you know, after that, it was kind of up and down with Montreal. They didn't really give me a fair shake. 
So 99-2000, you're up for 33 games in Montreal, and you score your first NHL goal. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was against Ottawa. And the funny thing was, when I was younger, I was – I even now, I, I loved ice cream. But I, I, I never called it ice cream. I always called it Little Eam. Like, hey, Dad, I want some Little Eam. So that night, we were playing against the Ottawa Centers, and we are playing against – Patrick Lillian. So my dad was like, he's after the game, after he's like, I knew you were scoring that game. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you remember when you used to call ice cream Lillian? He goes, you're playing against Patrick Lillian. He goes, I, you were scoring that night. And I scored two. So it was, oh, that, wow. that was a pretty cool story. Like he was like, as soon as he heard we we're playing Ottawa and they heard Lillian, he's like, he, he knew I was scoring. And I ended up getting two of that night, and we still lost, but it was still a pretty special moment. What was the, uh, you know, when, you, when you're kind of going up and down there and you're, and you're playing in Montreal and, and guys talk about, you know, Montreal, how obviously everyone knows the microscope and blah, blah, blah. Was there a time that, that you know, you had to sit back and kind of pinch yourself that I'm in the Montreal Forum here looking up at those banners and the retired jerseys? And, and then just the city, you know, as a guy that seemed a little crazy – that like to uh, like yeah. to party, um, you know. You probably had some sort of VIP uh, VIP card there at a few of the establishments. Uh, yeah, we did. I was never in awe. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing, but even to this day, it's like people are just saying to me, "Like you fuck, you played like eight hundred games in the NHL. Like, you know, you almost want to cop, and you played fifteen years and." Guess I did, but it's, it hasn't really hit. You know, I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know what it is. It's weird. You know, it was a part of my, my journey and I was never, you know, in awe. Like, fuck, I was in awe when I got, I seen Dougie Gilmore and he was my roommate in Montreal. Like, I was in awe with that because fucking Killer was one of my faves. And I have a, a buddy from around Portage who said he heard that, uh, we're talking about your time in Montreal, that there was a rumor that Montreal kind of told you, not to go back to Portage, just a lot of trouble and getting into some trouble. Is that true, or is that a? No, no, yeah, that was that was the truth. They wanted me to actually to stay and stay in Montreal and, and and live there over the summer and train, which I did, which I did the one year. But it, it just whenever I went back home, it was just like always someone was starting something. I wanted to, or it was like my cousin beat beat me up. Like, what are you gonna do about it? I was like, what, what do you like? They just come looking for trouble. And, of course, a few drinks in, you know, you think you're fucking Superman. And you're like, fuck you. And next thing you know, you're in a fucking brawl. But it happened a lot. And Montreal heard about it. And I got into some scuffles in Montreal as well, like bars and stuff. And Any on. memorable ones in Montreal? Yeah, it was – actually, I got a great one. There was me, Terry Ryan, Alan Nazardine, who uh, I'm not sure if he's still coaching in the NHL. Matt Higgins, and I, I think I, I think Theo was there, Jose Theodore. I think he was there. I'm not sure 100%. But we go to the strip club. It was uh, it was after, it was like fucking early bird special or whatever. So we fucking shoot down there. And we go in there, and there's an, up, an upper bar, and there's the lower bar, and there's a stage. So we shoot up to the upper bar and sit in there trying to order a drink. And Matt Higgins, who's bilingual, starts arguing with this one guy who's sitting beside him. 
I guess Matt was blocking the stage or something, but he started arguing, started arguing. So I go in there as the peacekeeper. I'm like, hey, boys, you know, settle down, settle down, settle down. This fucking guy open hand slaps me in the face. Bitch slap me <laughs> in the face. And my first instinct <laughs> fucking, so I just fucking throw a fucking left bomb at him and fucking drop him and fucking throw him over a table. And he fucking, I dropped this guy. And the bouncers, they all come fucking running up to us. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. So I'm, I'm like, no, no. So they, they come in, they fucking gather us up, and they go sit us down. They're like, we're going to go talk to these guys. We're going to come back, and we'll see how things are going. Like, we don't have a clue who these fucking guys are. <laughs> so he goes back up, and he starts talking. And this one guy, this guy has a leather jacket on. Nothing else, no shirt. He's got this leather jacket. And <laughs> He walks by me at our table and he's fucking yapping at me. Let's go, we'll go. I'll take you outside. So we want to go outside? We'll go one-on-one. And he's fucking lifts up his jacket and he's got a fucking gun. So he's like, you want to fucking go outside? He goes, we, I got fucking 10 guys coming down here right fucking now. These guys are with the rock machine. This bike gang in Montreal. They're just right up there with the angels. <laughs> so I fucking, I, I guess I drop one of these fucking guys up at the upper bar and this guy comes and flashes the gun and, Terry Ryan is up and he's fucking gone. He's gone to the bathroom. There's a fucking window in there with the ledge. He fucking jumps out and he's gone. <laughs> so it, there's me, there's Naz, there's someone else. And by the fucking chance of God, never, there's never a parking spot right in the fucking front. But we had, we are right in the fucking front of the super sex. When you're super sex, it's, up top and there's like fucking like 40 fucking sets of stairs going down to the street <laughs> so this guy comes by he fucking gives us the fucking you're fucking dead yeah we got guys coming so we're like he walks by i see we're like up fucking down it was like a fucking movie we were fucking falling down those stairs in the fucking car and we're gone Noofy, fuck no clue where no fist he's fucking already at the hotel he's down the fucking block taking off so i'm in the hotel room this my cousins and my brother and with working with the angels and biking in Winnipeg called uh, the red machine that got taken in by the angels. So we're, they're basically affiliated with the angels. So I call my cousin and I'm like, dude, I was like, might've fucked up. He's like, what's going on? What's going on? I was like, I was at the strip club. It's like, we're up there at the bar and I fucking knocked this guy out. And like this guy's flashed me the gun and bouncers say they're the rock machine. I was like, we got fucking practice tomorrow. They know we're with the Canadians because the bouncers went and he was like, oh, I'm going to go try to smooth it out. I was like, fuck, he went over there. He's like, oh, they're with the Canadians. <laughs> they're like, fuck that. <laughs> I don't care who they're with. So I'm, pan- so I'm in a panic. We're in my room, me and Nof, and I'm like, fuck, man, I don't know. I was like, I got to call my cousin, call my brother. I told him what happened. It's like, just fucking relax. And it's funny, one of the vice president of the fucking domain, the, the Canadian chapter was stood up in my uncle's wedding. So they were very close. And so I made a couple calls and I was like, fuck, like, do I not go to practice? I don't know what to fucking expect. He was like, give me 20 minutes. He goes, I'll call you back. So he calls and I don't know what the fuck he does. And I get a call back and he's like, don't probably not a good idea to go back there probably ever again. <laughs> it's my favorite strip club. He's like, don't go back. There he goes, it's affiliated with them. And, you should be good. <laughs> so me and no fear fucking everyone's like walking. Ten, like we got 11 o'clock practice. We're fucking 
<laughs> Montrealers underground shit, but fuck, we didn't know like someone's come up behind you. But after the first few days, we got people were like, I think we're good. I think we're good. My cousin said we're fucking good. We should be good. So. So speaking of your trade, you know, is that maybe a blessing in disguise? Because oh two oh three, you you stick with the with the Islanders for the whole entire year. Yep. Maybe walk us through that. Just just you know, finally making the big club. It was it, it was huge. Like the pressure, like in Montreal, it was uh, it was, you know, especially back in the early nineties, it was always the older guys. You know, they would sign. You know, as a draft, I was a ninety six draft pick. It was two thousand, and they would sign an older 35 year old friggin' winner to a one way or they, you know, they do something like that. And just the pressure and, you know, the mind fucking, it was just like, fuck, like, come on. Like, when are you going to actually give me my chance? And whenever I got called up, I was, you know, I wasn't putting up great numbers, but 35 games, I had 10 points, like for the amount of ice time I was getting, I, you know, I was fighting. I was, I was, you know, doing whatever I could to stay in the lineup, but just, it was Savard. Savard hated me. Andre Savard. I, I, because Rajon loved me because I fucking, I played, you know, I played hard. I fucking, I'd fight. I would do whatever I, I could to win. But Andre just fucking hated me. And I hated that fucker too. <laughs> open face style? Oh, it was, yeah. honestly, open, open we're, we we're playing in the playoffs. We are playing against Carolina. I was on the fourth line. We were playing Boston. That was the year that McLaren fucking elbowed Zednick and, you know, all that shit. And I was a black ace at the time. So, you know, all that shit happened. So they're like, fuck, you're going in the lineup. I was like, perfect. Like, fucking, we're going into game four or game five or something like that. It's two, two series. I'm like, fucking right. So I'm like, time to fucking shine. It's a rough game. And, you know, I'm going to try to fucking fight whoever I can and run whoever I can. I ended up getting a fucking assist on our first goal. We ended up winning there. We came back to Montreal and we beat them in six. You know, fucking, I played two games, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was fucking great. Our first game in Carolina, I played three minutes. I, I fucking ran whoever I can. We lost like two to one after the game. Fuckface came up to me and he was like, you didn't do enough out there to help the team win, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I played three fucking minutes. I had like three hits, four hits. Like, what else do you want me to do with three minutes? Sat me, never played another game in Montreal. Wow. Never another game. Got traded at the draft. I was just going to say, those first two years in the island were statistically your best years. Then the lockout year, it says on, on Hockey DB that you played in Switzerland, but did you play some senior hockey in Manitoba? Oh, yeah. With the uh, Oakville Seals, is that right? Oakville Seals, yeah. How I does played, that? Ha- how did that happen? I played with all my buddies growing up. I played with my cousin. I had a cousin who was just a phenomenal hockey player. He led every league in scoring. In the MJ. He just couldn't leave home. He had a girlfriend when he could have went and and played somewhere, but he couldn't leave home. And uh, I still love him to this day. But he was a guy that I. I idolize. He played junior. Is that Marcel Pruden? Is that his Marcel, name? Marcel, yeah. Marcel Pruden. And, you know, it was just a guy that I looked at that taught me, you know, so much just hanging out with me. And, you know, when we, you know, he was obviously a few years older than me, but I would pound him every day to play road hockey or do sub with me. And, you know, 
you guys know being 16, 17 years old, that's the last thing you want to do is hanging out with your cousin. But fuck, he was out there a lot with me and took a lot of time and helped me hone my craft and showed me the sauce pass. And so I got to go back there and, and lace it up with him and a lot of my old Bantam hockey teammates. And we fucking had a great time. Besides junior, that was probably the funnest year. Besides my juniors, I, I had playing. It was just all of my old buddies, senior, and it was it was awesome. Well, yeah. What was the hockey like? I mean, like I said, you were playing probably your best hockey in the NHL, and to go back to the oh, southeastern the hockey, Manitoba Hockey League, hockey was fucking awful. <laughs> it was, like I, it, it wasn't great. I was. I think I played like seventeen games. I had like eighty nine points or something like that. It was just. I just fucking loved being out there with my buddies. And I was like, I was so fucking dumb. I got married when I was 22. I, I was, I had my first kid at 22. You know, I was fucking stupid. I was, you know, I was young. I got married young and I was, I was, there's no way I was ready for it. I mean, I don't blame my, my ex-wife for that. I, you know, I was just fucking an idiot, you know, like we were both young and thought we were in love and, you know, we were at a time, but you know, thank God that we're, you know, we're on the same page and we raise, you know, two great kids together. And Okay, so you're, you're playing in the show, making sweet cake. You come back and you play with the fellas and the cousins and in, uh, in the senior loop. Are you, uh, any stories, are you shelling out, uh, you know, for, for the fellas, you know, maybe for some road trips and, and all that? Oh, my buddies, <laughs> ever since I signed my, my first contract, every time... I went out for my 15, 18 years of pro. My friends never, ever paid for it, anything. I wouldn't let them. I was like, there's going to be one day where you guys are making more money than me when I'm retired. I said, then you guys can take me out for dinners. You guys can take me out for, you know, until then, like, you guys are, you guys are on me. Like, we go fucking in Long Island and we go to the fucking clubs and we've got our VIP sections. we got bottle service, like, you're not paying for anything. Like that's fuck you, boys. You guys are you guys paid your money to fly out to see me. That's all you're gonna need because I got the games, I got the dinners, I got yeah. the clubs. It's ridiculous, so, you know. <laughs> but my boys never fucking pay for anything. I, I, I wouldn't let them. The Oakville Oakville Seals never paid for any uh, any beer that year, probably. Well, they I'm sure they did, but not not much. Yeah, that's Cause awesome. Because during because during the during that lockout, like all the every player was getting ten grand a month U.S. Back there, it was like fifteen grand Canadian a month. My boys are fucking, you know, like there's no way you guys are paying for anything. Like <laughs> it's all on me. Don't worry about it. That's and then I went over to Switzerland, and the, this team called. They're like they're a Division Two. They're like, hey, we just need you for the playoffs, and we got five games left, and just come for the playoffs. We'll give you like fifty grand. I was like, fuck, because I was debating. Because my team was fucking like, we're going to win that league. <laughs> the Tiger Hills Hockey League. <laughs> like, my buddy's like, fuck, I want to keep playing. Like, I don't want to fucking go to Switzerland and have try to get in shape. Because I wasn't in shape. <laughs> I, was, like, I, was, I was in fucking beer league shape where take a minute and a half shift, but you're only striding for like three strides. Like, I wasn't in hockey shape. So I was worried. So when they're like, we'll give you fucking 50 grand for – three weeks you're gonna come up to fucking switzerland i was like send me my flight like, <laughs> like it was basically a paid vacation i was, I was making the fucking whatever they're paying me and then i was getting the fifteen thousand. i fucking 
a month from the PA, you know, I was in Switzerland. I was going to the Matterhorn. I was fucking, you know, touring fucking Europe, which was just beautiful. But I was out there for uh, three, four weeks, five weeks, and then back to reality. When we talked to Dingman last week, he said that uh, that lockout year, if there would have been a deal done late in that, there were so many guys fat and out of shape. There would have been some heart attacks happening. My my MCL, I tore my MCL my first playoff game. And <laughs> this this one was fucking hilarious. My coach, he was our trainer. So he's like, I was like, dude, like my knee, it's like, I think my MCL, like I can't. He's like, oh, no, it's hard talking to me. And he just grabbed tape <laughs> and started taping my knee. No <laughs> pre-tape, nothing like that. So he started taping taping my knee up and I went out there for a shift and I was like, nah, it's fuck. I can't, I can't fucking play. Like, there's no way. Like I would play if I could play. So he was like, Oh, so I went back and I, I had tape right to my fucking skin. I'm in the shower. I was, I can't get this fucking tape off. <laughs> so I'm sitting fucking takes me probably an hour and 45 minutes to get this fucking tape off my fucking leg. And it's taking skin. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, this was like four weeks in. I'm like fucking calling my agent. I was like, we ended up fucking losing, and I was fucking on the next flight. But let me tell you, Switzerland's a fucking beautiful country. Just don't let your fucking coach tape your knee up because senior hockey. You know, like you played then, and senior hockey's really big in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and and that. Did you play again recently in some Allen Cups? Like, yeah, I played. Uh, I actually went to Newfoundland. After my last year, I think it was like close. It was their seasons out there. I don't start to like January. So Terry Ryan, Newfie calls me. It's like, dude, he goes, you want to come up and fucking play in Newfoundland? Cause I still had the itch. Like I was fucking 37 or something like that. And I was like, fuck man. I was, been, I was at home for six months. It's like, I haven't been at home for six months in 20 years. I can't do it right now. So I was like, yeah, dude, I'm in. So they would fly me out on a, on a Friday. I'd leave Friday at like noon. I'd fly all day. I'd get to Newfoundland. New TR would pick me up, or I'd fly in the gander and we fucking would go and we drank, we fucking you know play our two games. And then the next Monday, I'd jump on a plane and I'd fly out and come back on the Friday. And it was it was a lot of traveling, but the hockey out there. It's like their senior hockey is like a step lower than the East Coast hockey league. It was good hockey. It wasn't like it wasn't fucking pigeon hockey where, you know, you're getting 10 points a game. It was like, it was fucking, I had to fight one game. Like it was fucking, like they take it seriously. They get a thousand fans a game. It was, it was just a, it was an unreal experience. And I was, you know, I, from knowing Terry, I've been out to Newfoundland many times. I know his family and I know the area a little bit. And, the people out there are phenomenal. I think it was 2016-17 you played in the Allen Cup. Did you guys make any any runs? The one year we lost in the semis to actually the Manitoba team. The I think they ended, they ended up winning it. That was my first year playing. It was in Steinbach. It was in Manitoba. The Manitoba team just, I don't know, man, they – they had a couple ex NHL guys, a lot of good junior players, a lot of young legs, and they just played the system. They just shut us down. Like 
they're in my head definitely i was fucking slump i was it wasn't my myself <laughs> i wanted to kill this one fucking guy so bad the whole game <laughs> like it was he got my head he fucking came up our feet got fucking tangled in this one play in front of their net accused me of slew footing them it's one thing i would never fucking do was slew foot a guy so it, it got in my head <laughs> they ended up beating us two to one and I was fucking. I still want to fight the guy. I don't know who he is. But, so I fucking fight. Done. <laughs> Back to your NHL days. I don't know if you have a story about him, but a guy that we skate with. Uh, you know, he's in the rafters here at the Brandt Center, and he lets everyone know about it. Mike Sillinger. You know what do you Silly. what do you remember about Silly playing on the Adam? He said that he's super cheap. Silly was probably one of the fucking best guys that I've, I've played with. I don't know if I should tell this story, but yeah, he's probably you know, yeah, silly, yeah, he should. silly was known for some large nuts. <laughs> I don't know if he, I, I think he got shot or he blocked something and he fucking, he's got like elephantitis in his nuts. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're in I don't know, hopefully his wife isn't listening, but this Carla is just, like, this is not him. Like, this is just fucking silly being silly. Well, we're in San Jose, and Jason Blake's fucking, he got escorted out or something fucking, because that kid's a piece of shit. But anyways, he got escorted out. Silly has his zipper in them, and he's got his, his nuts out, and he's, <laughs> and he's like, swinging them. <laughs> he got so big his nuts are, like, like, I don't know, something happened. But he was fucking swinging his nuts around him. And, and it's all just the guys, you know. It's uh, there might have been, I don't know, might have been a fucking stranger hanging out with, but he's just sitting there fucking with that big fucking grin on his face. And everyone's fucking howling. He's just, I fucking love that guy. He was one of my favorite teammates. He came to the rink every day with a smile on his face and fucking had huge nuts. <laughs> fucking silly. He was a fucking just a beauty too. Just a unbelievable fucking human honestly it's just the salt of the earth and i was uh i was happy to call him a teammate for sure i love that you like you're i think brandon brought it up right like you, you play in that in that division islanders flyers devils penguins rangers uh we, we have to ask like your your pittsburgh days um you know playing playing with one of the greatest players of our time in Sidney yeah. Crosby. Yeah. Um, what do you, what, what's your, what's your best story when it comes to that guy? It was just, it was tough. You know, the year I got there, I think Sid went down with his concussions. It was either my first year or my second year. And then Gino goes down with his ACL. He was out. So we went in to Tampa Bay against Tampa Bay with, without Sid, without Gino and, you know, and honestly, that year, I thought we we were the favorites to win the Cup. And then losing those two guys and, and playing against Tampa with, you know, with, with Marty and, you know, and Vinny and, you know, all these guys. And, you know, we go up three to one. I'm having a great series. I'm leading the team in scoring. And, and it just, you know, went to shit. And, you know, that's all it takes in, in you know, in the playoffs is, you know, the momentum you know, sway one way and then it's, and then it's all over. And, you know, I've, I've been there. I've done that with, you know, with the Flyers in 2010 with, you know, against Boston where, you know, we're down three. We, 
squeak a greasy one out in you know in game four and then Richie Mike Richards basically you know won us that series he takes out Krejci in, in in game four with a fucking phenomenal hit and, and you know just leads us you know I have nothing but great things to say about that guy I know he he got fucking just drunk through the fucking dirt with you know all this shit with his pills and stuff over the border but that guy was you know, one of the fucking best leaders that I played with and a guy that would do anything for his teammates. So I felt bad for him that time. But, you know, he just changed that series with that hit. And, you know, we go, go into game five in Boston with, you know, we knew. It was like we lose, you know, obviously you lose this, we're fucking done. But we go there, we win game, game five, we go back home. We know we're not losing that. Win game six, we go there and, fucking Boston and we're down three and out in the first nine minutes and we score that you know that three to one goal and right there we knew we were fucking winning that game and that's how just crazy the fucking playoffs are belts you played in the playoffs it's it doesn't it's just one little thing can change the fucking series and that hit to Krejci that because Krejci was our top guy right at the time with him out there they were cooked uh, you know, Mike Richards was a fucking beast at fucking playoffs. Yeah, he he was. There, you probably played with a lot of guys that are jokers and and you know funny guys and and good guys in the rooms. You talked about silly. Scott Hartnell has to be right up there as well. My time in Philadelphia, I don't think I laughed or <laughs> or had so much fun coming to the rink. We had obviously Bird Dog. We had Hartnell, who was. Probably he's up there with one of my best teammates I've ever had. We had Dan Carcillo, Carbomb, who who was a fucking animal. We had fucking Riley Cote. We had myself. We had fucking Dan. Like we had a phenomenal dressing room. You know, those it's just those are the fucking times you miss so much is, you know, just laughing. And those two years I didn't laugh. I didn't party and you know, we fucking we partied like that team was a fucking a party team. We were, I think we went like own four on the road to start the season. <laughs> so me, bird dog, hearts, carts, Richie, we're like, fuck it. We're going out. We're in Carolina. Like we got to break this shit. So we had a team. We organized a team meal. We went out and we got fucking bombed four in the morning came out. We fucking won. So we're like, <laughs> Next game, fucking team dinner out till fucking four in the morning. We ended up going winning like thirteen games in a row, in a row. <laughs> we we're fucking out to four a.m. every fucking night. Like, <laughs> like it was. It, it just snowballed into you know into the almost winning the cup. Yeah, I think if we had Ray Emery, rest in peace, fucking uncle, uncle Ray Ray. But if we had him healthy, like no offense to get to Bush or to to Lates, but. If we had him, we would have won that fucking cup. Aaron, the way we usually end these things is kind of a rapid fire. We'll ask you a question, quick answer, long answer. We don't really care. We just call it rapid fire for something to do. So I am going to start off with my signature question. Best road barn you ever played in on the road in the show? Best best road barn? Yeah. The toss-up between Montreal and Toronto. Toss-up. Everybody Um, picks the Canadian cities um, all the time. um, I'm going to go Montreal Canadiens. Hot dogs, right? 
the hot dogs and just the fucking atmosphere in that building. Oh, when I was healthy scratch there, I'd, I'd go through seven a game. <laughs> They're wondering why I was 220. <laughs> like, fucking keep stop fucking scratching me. Fucking hot dogs and Joe Louis. <laughs> and, and then put a disguise on and head into super sex. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> It took down a lot from there, but what, fuck, that stopped. What, um, your favorite coach all time? Peter Laviolette, hands down. Played me the most, had the most, uh, I, I had my best, basically I had my best years with, with Lavi. Just a good, just a good human, good guy. Just, you know, cared about you and your family, just not hockey. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, I have nothing but love for Lavi and, you know, I wish him the best with uh, with the Caps. You might have mentioned this kind of earlier, but least favorite coach. Least favorite. Fuck, that's a good one. I usually got along with all my coaches, but probably my least favorite would be probably Steve Sterling. He was uh, he got called up like halfway through when I was with the Islanders, and it's a pigeon. Deep, deep, like Deep Pietro basically ran his his show. So, yeah, probably Sterles was probably the big guy. Yeah, he's a pigeon. Toughest guy you ever fought in the show? George Peros, Louis DeBrusque. But, for, yeah, probably I'd say Orzi or, or – ah, fuck. They're all fucking tough, man. Yeah. You know? yeah. They're all That's tough. That's a good list. But good those list. guys are fucking – you know, I'm fucking five – fucking 11, barely, you know, 100, 200 pounds. Like, those guys are – I just tried to hang in there and not get fucking killed, basically. Your favorite ref? Favorite ref? Cowell, Tommy Cowell. I think his name was Tommy Cowell. I had him in uh, in junior. I had Tommy through junior. I had Brad Meyer all the way through junior. I'm going to have to say Meyer. Meyer, Meyer says hi. Meyer, guest, says, yeah. Meyer says hi, by the way. Uh, is it? Yeah, I would say Meyer was my fucking best. And, like, just because... This from junior. I knew him from junior. We, we, I guess we kind of came up yeah. together, basically. So whenever I see him in a show, it was like it was a familiar face. It was like fucking like I was happy that I was there. And plus, he fucking treated me good, you know. <laughs> he fucking knew like he'd fucking yeah, chirp at me. He's like, hey, first of all, I need a fucking stick. I need my, I need one of your sticks. You know, I tried to was fucking sticks. He's just that fucking. He's just he knew the game. He knew you know the ups and the fucking downs. And he, and he fucking treated me well. Favorite restaurant on the road? Oh, fuck, I hate New York here has got some good food. New York's got a lot of great food, but Coup de Cheval in fucking Montreal. I got to know the rest. It's a fucking, it's an unbelievable steakhouse in Montreal. It's either that or, or you know, Nobu in friggin' Hollywood or Nobu in New York or any type of Nobu is, is it's pretty solid too. So yeah. we talked, you know, about all the fights you had growing up and kind of growing up fighting. A lot of guys you talk to that dropped the mitts a lot in the NHL, you know, they didn't really enjoy it. You know, they didn't sleep the night before knowing they'd have to go. Did you enjoy fighting always? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't mind it. You know, it was something that I, I grew up doing and, you know, but going into games, like I was always, a scorer I was always you know I was always 
I got thrusted upon this this fighting stuff my first game in my first exhibition game in in the WHL. You know, I I always in midget and ban- I always finish my checks, but I'd never have to fucking fight anyone. So we're playing the Rockets, and I throw this check, and I'm skating away, and this guy grabs me and starts throwing punches, and I knew how to throw punches from fighting on the streets, so I just I would rather fucking score a goal or make a nice pass than fucking scrap. But I did lose a lot of sleep. It's tough going into a game knowing you have to fight a fucking six four, six five guy. You know when you're five eleven. 200 pounds. So. I think this is going to be a good one. Uh, uh, you're going to have a good answer. You take as long as you want on this one. Guiltiest you ever played? Oh, guiltiest. <laughs> <laughs> sure, silly took you for oh, a couple. I'm trying to think of the fucking guiltiest I ever played. I wasn't actually, this is a good one. Me and, uh, me and Toots, me and Jordan Tutu were, uh, well, we still are good friends, but, you know, obviously with their families and everything, you know, his, <laughs> he, this was, I think this was his first year with Nashville on a regular basis. And I skated with him in the summers and I partied, I partied with Toots when, he, when you know, Toots was, when Toots was, you know, crazy, basically. You know, and we went out to Nashville and we went out for sushi and, all as I know is I got I I don't know when I got home, but I know I was I wasn't right in my mind. Still at game time, and that's like seven o'clock at night. But we 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 played that game, and I it was just <laughs> it was the worst, probably the worst game I ever played in my life. And I usually play hungover like. Like I'm fucking good. Like I can play home over. Like I have my best games. I was in Toronto. I was. This is when I was fucking really messed up. I was doing coke all night. I ate a bunch of ecstasy. This was at 3 a.m. in the morning, and I didn't sleep until well, I didn't sleep, <laughs> basically. And I went to pregame meal and I sat there, I drank some water. I was fucking still wired in my mind. Went back and I laid in my bed and I came back. I got a goal and assist that night. We won fucking like four to one. <laughs> but I was at a club till seven in the morning. Zonked out of my mind. Um, wow. Name it. <laughs> you know, still scored a goal. Eddie Belfort, fake slapper upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Any crazy, uh, any crazy parents, uh, any crazy hockey parents down there when you're getting into that uh, select league in uh, in Long Island? Or are they pretty calm? Uh, no, they're they're actually been they're pretty good. I uh, I coach like I was <clears throat> I was brought up coaching. I'm I don't take too much guff, and you know I like for the kids to have fun. But I I tell the parents before the season starts, I'm like I curse. I can't help it. Like when I'm on the bench, it's either fucking do this or that's all I've heard for 35 years is, you know, so I tell them before, like, um, you're going to hear the fuck yous and the motherfuckers. Like it's not against your kids. It's not, it's just the way I was, I I can't break it, but everyone's been pretty good. You know, there's, you know, you always have your odd, you know, your odd parent that their kids going to the show and they're, you know, 12 years old and, can't make a break go pass. 
I was going to ask you, uh, I know over the years you've done a lot to give back to Portage and I know you had a, have a charity and a golf tournament that you've done over the years. Uh, talk about that. Like how much money have you raised in that area and what is that, uh, what does Uh, that go to? It's called, uh, the Aaron's chance to play. It's just, uh, a fun that, you know, I, I came up with like growing up, I never had a lot of money. Uh, you know, I, I had a lot of people step up for me, either driving to practice or pay for hotel rooms. I had a lot of the reservations, chiefs that would help me out financially. And it was just, you know, once I got to a position where, you know, where I could give back and, you know, it's just something I want to do. It's, you know, without the support of my community and, you know, the, the reservations and, you know, just the love I got with people seeing the potential I had, it's, you know, I, I just had to do something and, We've been going for, well, last year would have been our 16th year. So That's we're hoping crazy. that, yeah, we're hoping that we're going to be back next year, but who knows with all this COVID bullshit. But, you know, we're close to like three, 400,000 we've raised. We help 40 kids a year, uh, you know, play the game in Portage by paying for the registration or equipment or whatever, whatever needs necessary. We, uh, you know, we try to help as much as we can. That's amazing. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm really proud of. And, uh, you know, this thing is, uh, you know, something I want to keep going for as, you know, as long as we can, because this, you know, there's not much money back, uh, you know, back around on the reses and, uh, you know, the rural, the rural communities around, around Portage and, and Manitoba. So it's nice to, uh, you know, to help out as much as we can. All right, Aaron. Well, thank you very much. You're uh, obviously a Western Canadian gentleman. We really appreciate your time uh, living out there in New York. Now, Barney will be slipping into your DMs, trying to get out there for some free golf for sure. Let me know, buddy. Let me know. All right. Time for the interview wrap-up. That was a gooder for 2020 Geomatics. Your land surveyors, 100% Saskatchewan owned and operated Malcolm Vanstone and his team. Doesn't matter what kind of land you're looking to chop up, call 2020 Geomatics, small town. He'll come out, have a coffee, and uh, talk you through the process. Don't try and do it by yourself. That's just painful. So, Boz, you did a lot of work on that one uh, for, for Asham. Didn't disappoint. The guy's uh, the guy can talk. He was good. I should also give a shout-out. We had our shout-out segment earlier, but uh, pal of mine, Chris Wormy. Guy I did a lot of golfing with at the Royal Regina last summer. He uh, he's from Portage, same town as Aaron Asham. So a lot of the uh, the prep I got came directly from Wormy. He did uh, some of the prep for us, so I appreciate that. Said he told us Asham would be awesome, and he was. So yeah, yeah, I know what a gem. And I got to give a shout out too. I got a lot of my information from ex teammate of his, Mike Whitney from Swift Current, Saskatchewan. So old Witter hooked us up, and uh, yeah, he probably had some. A lot deep, deeper, darker secrets that he could have told, but no, it was a great, great interview, and uh, yeah, no, great to have him on. That's the twenty. That's the interview wrap up for twenty twenty Geomatics. Hey, why wouldn't a guy? Let's get into a little senior hockey talk, boys. And uh, this is the time of the year we talked about it on the last program where the weather is breaking and it kind of feels like you know, playoff hockey out there. Some of those barns, remember some of those barns where like they would have the snow falling onto the ice because it was so warm and you'd have to scrape it. It was like Rutherford yeah. Arena in Saskatoon. God, that was like yeah. the worst. Uh, player of the extra year for Richie Brothers Auctioneers, Boz, I don't know what's going on there at RB 
auctioneers. But uh, what can you fill us in? Yeah, Richie Brothers auctioneers. Richie uh, Brothers, sorry. Lots. It's auction season, right? Spring auction season, March 23rd in Regina, March 25th, Lethbridge, April 6th up in Saskatoon or April 5th uh, up in Saskatoon and a ton of farm sales too. So it's that time of the year, rbauction.com to buy and sell. It's all happening online. And you never know, you might see Brandon at one of those auctions. Hey, you can, you can jab a little senior hockey. So senior hockey player from yesteryear. We don't have stats on this guy, but he was like, the epitome of an awesome teammate. Always drove. Really good guy. He was a goalie. Always showed up. Doesn't matter what the weather. From down in that southwest area, from Swift Current, Saskatchewan, played in the white mud. And then I think he played the Nauta Q2. A damn good guy. Worked at Intrasport in the Swift Current Mall. Do you know who he is, Shane Belter? You go. I'll let you run with it. I know who you're talking about. Ray Van Warmer. <laughs> oh, he was like such a great guy. Legend. Legend. And you'd go into the interest board. He just always smiling and Ray's just walking around in his sneakers and his pants were always a little too short, but he would help RVW. you. Yeah. He... That's one of the better names I've ever heard for a hockey player. Man, this guy, and he had a Sunfire and he... Yep he drove all the time out to Abbey. And then I remember like he played until he was like up there in age wise and just always shows up, you know, just a great teammate. So our senior hockey player from yesteryear, Ray Van Warmer. If you know him, tell him to listen to the program and tell him everyone here says hi. What a beauty. Good. I was way off. I thought you were going Al Arishel. Oh, could have checked him in there. Ex NHL or two little Boston Bruins. Oh. Also, he, a little inner sport action. Oh, really? Didn't he own own Pinnacle Sport or something? Wasn't that what it was? He called? owns owns Pinnacle Sport. Yeah, he owned inner sport. I definitely was slinging some merch. You're back buying coho sticks, back wood PP twenty nine nine fifties, so that I could chop people because I had no skill. <laughs> we we know that. Inter sport. There you go. Little throwback there. Inter sport and Ray Van Warmer. Two throwbacks. Uh, both don't want to blow our load here all in one week we better uh save save so save the rest for next week <laughs> rain it in all right boys title sponsor let's give them a plug now it's truck month at mainline gm up to ten thousand dollar total cash value on 2021 gmc sierra and chevy silverado god those are nice freaking trucks uh finance zero percent for 72 months oac obviously costco members don't forget you got that deal going on there. You're buying an SUV or a crossover. They have $500 Costco shop card coming your way at the GM store. Then over at the mainline Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, you could be eligible for an additional $3,000 loyalty bonus on select 2021. So if you've you've done some uh, business there, you got a Ram, Dodge, or anything like that, call them, and uh, they're going to hook you up with this loyalty program, an extra three grand off. That's the mainline Chrysler in Rosetown and mainline GM the king of trucks worth the drive every time, boys. Boys, no joke. I know this is weird. Originally, we were talking about phlegm, and then I had to get glasses. My, my vision went. But uh, I was driving to work on Friday, and all of a sudden, it sounded like I was driving a tractor. So I took it to Hyundai, and I was like, something's wrong with this vehicle. The guy's like, that doesn't sound healthy. We'll book in for Tuesday. You're good to drive it. We'll disable this sensor. 
cool, no problem. Driving it home from work Friday, and she shuts off and seizes up on the Louvan, had to get it towed. So currently in limbo with no vehicle. I'm getting chauffeured to and from work, so... So they I have to give those boys a show. They freaking told you to drive it and then it seized up. Yeah, they said you're good to drive it till Tuesday because the vehicle went into limp mode. What so a, they turned off a sensor and they a, said you can drive it till Tuesday. Because uh, I was at the dealership, I was just going to leave it. What it's only had 101,000 K. Yeah. Rosetown Mainline wouldn't do that. It sounds like it's time for you to head up there for truck month. Oh, fuck. You get a GM, GMC Sierra, that's going to change your life. They're fantastic. Truck guy. Why wouldn't a guy get out of his Hyundai and into a Sierra? Should we get into uh, Curtis Hunt? Yeah. What do you guys think? Not to be a, a downer here, boys, but before you, you go into that and WHL, as we record this on Tuesday night, 33 years ago on this night, and Belter, you probably remember this because we're the same age, uh, the unfortunate incident the night that Brad Horning uh, got hit into the boards there at the Agrodome. Um, you know, and left and left paralyzed. Uh, man, that was like sh- shocking in the hockey world everywhere. But as a ten-year-old kid, I don't know belts if you remember, but I I was just like, wow, that 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 shook you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's something that uh, you know is still happening less less, I guess, these days, which the way the game is played. And you know, it's obviously very unfortunate that something like that happened. But if there's any good, I think even Brad would say, you know, taken out of that is that it did change the game uh, somewhat for the better in in the, you know the safety of it. So, but yeah, I know I remember being ten years old, and that was uh, that was tough back then and- for sure. And the medical team, like when you read the story, the medical team that was on, uh, I guess, at the Agrodome that night, like they were so fortunate to have those doctors there. They had to do a tracheotomy, uh, got him to the hospital, you know, like, oh my God, like the story and it just got it. Yeah. So Brad, and then he ended up, you know, scouts and uh, just a wealth of hockey knowledge. Uh, So yeah, that was, uh, you know, 33 years ago, 1987, that happened, you know, and it's... uh, yeah, one of the one of the. Uh, sorry to bring it downer to the, to the program no, here, boys. But it was you know a, a major, I think a, a major moment in the WHL by far, if not junior hockey uh, in the world. Let's go stay with junior hockey and and boss uh, into the Hubble um, with uh, with uh, we got one I guess one of the architects of the Hubble. That's right. People remember him from when he was uh, part of the Regina Pats. He's now the GM of the Prince Albert Raiders. Wagon. Joined us from his dorm at the University of Regina, Curtis Hunt. Fellas. How's the dorm? Uh, it's, I think I should be in the fire hall because that's what I do. I put out fires. But, <laughs> uh, how's the food? Food's good. You know, I think uh, the guys do a great job here. They're splitting it between the U of R at the Owl and then, of course, at Luther College. So, uh, you know, I think it's always a little different when when you're dealing with these kids because they they all have hollow legs but uh there's a few little bumps but we're getting there take us through uh take us through a day so far for myself i guess um i usually wake up i sleep like a baby wake up three or four times a night crying <laughs> uh but <laughs> no i'm i get up early and uh do a little fitness routine here in my room and uh, try to get the, the little windows open here and try to get a little fresh air in, in, in the house. 
But uh, if anyone stayed in the dorm, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, I have a great space, so there's lots of room here. Um, breakfast comes about 9 o'clock uh, to the door, so that's kind of nice, box service. At 10 a.m., we do a team workout with our players. Uh, I don't participate in that just for self-preservation <laughs> reasons. For me, I've done a lot of the scheduling, trying to manage seven teams through the, the facilities because there's personal laundry, there's some social spaces here at the university, uh, there's social spaces next door at Luther. And just to put that schedule together based on how it'll unfold in the next couple of days, uh, there's a lot of games in a short period of time. So I spent a lot of time uh, doing that and then just trying to support the teams. Um, I got involved at kind of maybe the ground level of, of putting our hub together. I think it was probably fair that uh, that someone other than the entire Regina Pat organization had to deal with this because there is a lot of moving parts. So I jumped in and helped out as well. So, so maybe just touch on how much work would have went into getting to where we are over the last couple months or whatever it's been. Ooh. How many people are involved and in just. Well, you got to give a lot of credit to like the Pats organization and, and probably Stacy Cattell over there, who's, you know, their lead sales guy and then his sales staff. And, and then the league basically asked us to, you know, meet with real, um, meet with Luther, uh, come and check out the dorms. We've done a ton of different diagrams about how to get in uh, for, to the arena, for example. Where do we close it off? We want to separate athletes from off-ice officials, uh, from on-ice officials who are not part of our our uh, our hub. Um, you know, working on trying to get the NHL guys in there as, as well as development. We want to certainly provide the opportunity for the players. So we've done a lot of those different I guess, diagrams and drawings and partitions. Um, we had to have a, a room built. So if you're familiar with the bowels of the brand, which I'm sure you are, and I don't know if you wander around to the north side of the building, that they have the alumni lounge there. So we've turned that into a dressing room. Uh, so just a lot of little logistical things. And then on top of that, you know, you got to think of what do your trainers need? Uh, what do the medical people need? What are we going to do for doctors? What are we going to do? For, I, as I mentioned, entrance, exit. Um, once we have cohorts, are we going to have AP players? Are we going to have extra players? Are you going to have a real camp? Are you just going to name your team? So, and all those logistical uh, items that not everybody thinks about that happens uh, behind the scenes. So let's say one of the players right now, one of your players, Regina, wherever, they're in their dorm 24-7? They're set up in quads. So we have two kids uh, share a single bathroom and then four kids in a quad. And so the mandate is you stay in your room. Um, if you use the washroom, uh, everybody has a, a COVID kit, we called it. I'm not sure what the other teams did, but, you know, the hand sanitizer and they all got masks. And, you know, we asked them just to be real smart about cleaning and and then leave your door open because, let's face it, the, the mental part of this can be a little grueling. Um, I know myself, I think I mentioned to you, Barry, in my text, like I, I wander the perimeter like a zoo bear. And if you could put some bars in a bars in a window up, you know, you could maybe draw a crowd a little bit to have a look at that old guy scratching his arse. So anyways, uh, the, the kids are good. They're, they're all gamers. They can't wait for the food to come. It's a little bit like having like baiting deer, I guess. They, they hear the spinner and, and come to the door. <laughs> That's most teens. Um, so talk about 
when the kids got dropped off because there was a couple different stories that I heard. You know, how how did that all work for? Um, you know, did their parents drive them and kind of drop them off? Did some of them drive themselves and then have to ditch their car somewhere in a parking lot, or you know? What... So there was no tuck and roll, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> um, so that we actually organized that uh, with all the teams, seven teams arriving. So we're using three different uh, buildings, and we spaced the. Uh, everybody had a two-hour window to move in to each uh, to each place. So the university's done this a thousand times. They have all sorts of baskets and carts with wheels and dollies and, and whatnot. So basically, whether your parents drove you, uh, we did have some kids uh, drive alone. We had some kids carpool. We had kids fly in. Obviously, we're dealing with the, the entire West. So um, we have a lot set up. Um, yes, we're paying for parking for those people concerned. Uh, <laughs> it's part of our package. Um, parents would drop them off. We asked that they, you know, say your goodbyes long before you got here. And uh, basically the protocol is throw your stuff in the basket. Someone from our club would meet you. Here's your key. Here's your room. Go park your car, uh, lock it up, ankle it back over and uh, up to your room. And then we had a, a meal that night. I, you know, they're a little bit like herding cats, but the kids are pretty excited to uh you know, to be together one, two, and have the opportunity to play. And uh, we haven't had any issues with our guys. So how important, I mean, it's been a long time since we've had games played, you know, for these kids and some have maybe skated more than others or whatever, but how important is it uh, for the development of these, of these kids? Cause obviously it's important to play games, but obviously the Western league, your job is to develop these guys to pro careers. So. Well, it's, it's everything like to see for the, for the pro guys, you know, hopefully we can get live, live people in the building. But you know, the Western Hockey League has a great. Uh, we have a great new partner in Verizon with our with our video component. Um, certainly not if you watched last Friday's games, but if you watch Saturday's games out of Alberta, uh, the production was fantastic for both games. Um, of course, there's always those hitches, but you know, for the kids, it's such a little window. You know, you you've got that 16 to 20. And there's only three twenties in our group, uh, and they they grow and mature so much through that summer. Obviously, an extended summer. Um, there's two things. One's going to be making sure we don't burn out in the paddock. I know everybody's so so excited to play. Um, you know, we're going to have to temper that emotion to start, but uh, just getting them together, uh, giving them that opportunity to to skate every day. Um, you know, it's going to be critical we manage that fatigue we manage uh the injuries uh and protect our kids as much as possible but you know this is what they've played for their entire lives and uh you know that opportunity and our program you know i gave haver good a lot of credit because he's he's developed our players where whether it was uh zach hayes last year signed as a non-drafted player uh the year before it was Braden pahal uh, to Estevan signed as a non-drafted player. Both those guys with uh, with Vegas. We had Parker Kelly signed as a non-drafted player, and you know even for Max Paddock, uh, who we uh, got last year at the deadline from Regina, he um, he just had a quick stint with uh, with Stockton, which is Calgary's farm team, um, American League team, and who are based out of Calgary. So, you know this is uh, these are important times for these older players, and and certainly. If you look at our championship teams, 
uh, it's 19s and 20s, and, and it's that group of core players that that need this time and that opportunity to showcase their skills. Did you have any kids that opted out, or what, is there any kids that you know of that have opted out? Uh, we didn't have any. Um, you know, we weren't able to get our import players across. You know, a little bit frustrating, I guess. But uh, none of our none of our kids uh, opted out. All of them were pretty excited to play. As a matter of fact, they, I think there was parents that wanted to. As soon as they said go, they were ready to get those kids out. They certainly uh, do a little damage on the grocery bill. <laughs> Curtis, is there any plans at all for like the end of the year, a playoff or anything like that, or is it just going to end? Have they given you any indication? As far as my understanding, as of today's date, we are we've got a regular season and postseason to follow. I, we've even had some conversation about, you know, what happens if things get really good and they say, you know what, you can have two hundred and fifty fans in Prince Albert. You know, is, is there that opportunity? I think it's it's important that we look at every eventuality, uh, whether it's, you know, walking out of here in a month, uh, finishing playoffs and, and competing for a, a league champion somehow or, or four divisions and and uh, and some kind of a, an opportunity at a national championship. When could you guys play until, let's say, like a team like Prince Albert, could you play until July? Uh, I would have no problem doing that. I think... Uh, you know, at least if, if I got to vote um, at that level, that's usually a, a governor's, um, you know, a governor's mandate. But, you know, I think at some point in time, you do have to create an offseason and then a, a reset point uh, for 21-22. So, you know, whether that goes into, you know, the NHL finishes, what, mid-June, and then it's a sprint to the draft, you know, could we do something like that? May 2-4 is usually that weekend uh that uh, the Memorial Cup wraps up. I'm sure, guys, if we believe we could play in the middle of late June, uh, that would be a very positive thing. Be a little walleye fishing and suntanning in the morning and game four in the afternoon. Yeah, we'd have to pull the ice fishing tents up and uh, <laughs> get out on the dinghy. Has the NHL helped out in funding this at all? Uh, well, the NHL supports us in a lot of different ways, um, whether it's through the draft and, and development monies, through the, uh, the 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 relationship that we have. So, you know, currently the biggest thing we've done is just tried to leave everything status quo. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know about all the finances. I know a little bit about ours, certainly in this situation, and, and uh, obviously my own club. At that level, I'm not privy to those conversations. Thanks so much, Thanks, Kurt. Kurt. Thank yeah, you. Take care. Good. Curtis Hunt, that was a good interview, boys. I, I, I'll i tell you right now, I don't know if I could stay in there for two months at a time. That would be uh, very difficult. Um, you know, I like a good burger and fries with the best of them, but I think eating restaurant food for two months straight would be uh, very difficult for sure. Ah, you're you're thinking about the food. I'm thinking about the picture of his closet, how he had those three clean towels. I would have burnt through those towels already. <laughs> I'd imagine there ain't burgers and fries seven nights a week in the Hubble either. I'd imagine they're probably switching it up a bit, hopefully. But uh, that reminds me, I was at a tournament. I remember one time when I was a kid and my dad was like, it was in bigger Saskatchewan head. Like back in the day, all they had at the canteens was like deep fried burgers, fries, pierogies, like nothing remotely healthy. The good stuff. But I remember I was eating a burger and fries between games and my coach came up and was like, nope, 
No fries. You can eat the burger, but you can't eat the fries. I don't know why I remember that, but throw him I have a feeling the, nowadays throw, belts, they're not probably eating that after practice. But Throw him under the bus. What kind of coach tells a minor hockey kid you can't have your fries? I think it was like peewee too. Like, anyway. Were you guys a wagon? Look, man, we beat him. Yeah, we were. We had a midget coach who, who ran a trucking company. And if we'd start losing, he'd be like, you know what, boys? I want you to go into the corners, elbows up, and I want you to fucking spit on them. I was like, holy Jesus Christ, Stan, settle down, man. <laughs> yeah, he was straight up and rough around the edges. I have a lot of awesome minor hockey league guys. I don't think I would, I can't even imagine somebody saying you can't have a burger and fries back in the day. They're all sipping whiskey with old Wally out in the parking lot. My dad always had a little extra underneath the old station wagon seat. In his boot. In between games, Wally, or they'd rip to the small town bar for a few and come back into the Tessier barn where everyone dressed in the fire hall. <laughs> that was awesome. That's by Rose Town. I think we played there once too, actually. Oh, God, I remember that. Right. Or it was Harris, maybe. We had a game in Harris, Harris. against Rose Town. Yeah. It's like three people there. Yeah. Chicken wire for no, no oh, glass. Those are the best. You know where I went the other day? Uh, Rome skated in Strasbourg. Uh, the, what a maroon. Is <laughs> the roof on? They got a great roof. I think they redid it. And then yeah. now they're paying it. They're, they're trying to. Um, yeah, great rink. First time ever there. Uh, shut the plant off. So it's done. They obviously the rink, the, the house that the Schultzes built. Uh, a lot of banners there with the uh, the boys' names on there. And then we went to Bullier to the bar to meet Colin McLeodon for a chicken wing and, and one cold one. And I went into that Bullier barn, B- Bullier rink. Oh, the epitome of a Saskatchewan small-town rink. The big arch. Boom. They still have the shovels hanging to shovel the rink on the one side. And then chicken wire, like Boss said, on one end. The other end is just wood and then nothing on the sides. Oh, classic ring. And one only one advertisement. Guess which one? Sponsor of the program. Synergy AG. No, you're next to it. You'll get it on the next one. Freeze Tallman Lumber. Yeah, Freeze Tallman Lumber, a big... uh, Yeah, we got to go skate in the Bollier Barn next year. That's all I'm saying. Brad Hamner, get the bus. Let's keep her going, Freeze Tallman. Let me just go into the, the Freeze Tallman. Anything you are looking to do here as the weather breaks, maybe that fence or that deck, go and see the ladies and gentlemen at Freeze Tallman and Regina Fort Capel. They will help you out. They still got the window sale on, but, you know, whatever you're thinking, just give them a shot. Uh, they're always supporting local, right? We want to support them back. So we got coming up AAA Senior Allen Cup run from the Shellbrook Elks back a few years ago. They gave it a real valiant effort for three years. We talked to Chris Thompson and Steve De Silva. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on the program tomorrow. So that 0809 year, that was the first year in Shellbrook, and we won uh, Senior A that year. So I was like, well, do we get to go? Like, I thought, you know, we, we won provincials or can't we go to the next stage? Like, how do we get into this tournament? And they're like, no, 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 you can't go. And, and, uh, whatever, didn't think anything of it. And then in 2012, we were competing in senior A provincials and I had signed on with Rosetown. That was the first year Rosetown went, uh, Steve-O would have been with Lloyd that year that they were hosting the Allen cup that year. So I joined, I got, uh, the opportunity to jump on with, uh, Rosetown and go to the Allen Cup, and I was just, you know, a couple of years out of, two or three years out of pro hockey, and 
have this tournament. I was like, this is the best. You know, you got a little pregame skate, you got naps in the afternoon and, just, <laughs> you know, a, a full week of tournament, but, you know, every day playing every day and, and really not being at probably top physical condition, you know, your body's really taken a toll by the end of it. So then we lost in the final that year to, um, Southeast Prairie Thunder. That was their first of, I think, four Allen or three Allen Cup victories, maybe or something. So we lost that year. And then after that year, I went back to Shelbrook and was like, we've got to get in this tournament or we've got to try and com- try and compete for this tournament or something. Up to nothing. So you win game one in over double overtime. Then you win game two, six, three, and you guys are in the driver's seat. But what happened? So you're up to nothing in a best of five. They come back and win the series winning three straight. What happened there? Uh, I, I have no idea. I know. Uh, I think did we play the first game in Rosetown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that first game in Rosetown, I think was an eye opener for a lot of us. That rink is, uh, I, I really don't enjoy the rink. Um, it was very tough. And I think we got out of there with a double OT win and was kind of like, wow, this is fantastic. And came back to Shelbrook, bigger ice surface. Obviously you're at home. You feel comfortable. We had a really good game. And uh, I really, I think we played a lot better that game, beating them 6-3 and thinking, okay, you know, we, we got game one. If Even if we go back in game three, we know it's going to be a battle. Um, if we end up losing, we're still going to come back. And, you know, they win that game, game three in Rosetown. And these were heated battles. Like they had, uh, they had a really good team. They had, you know, Endicott in the middle there who had played a bunch of NHL games and he was taking all the draws and, um, you know, they had good goaltending and, you know, uh, the, the big guy, big Turner on defense was, uh, you know, pain in the ass for a lot of people, uh, you know, big man. And and the games got physical and they got heated and, you know, the barn in Rosetown is sold out and people are hanging from the rafters. And uh, You win the province, which is awesome. You get the banner and then yeah. you have to go play uh, Southeast Prairie Thunder. And this is Shelbrook's first, I guess. The Rathburger Cup. Um, and and you, you hear the stories about, you know, how tough it is to go there. First off, you guys go there and you, you lose three straight. But did you guys go with a full team or because it starts, you know, on a Friday, do you guys planning on coming later and then you would have to play like well, Monday, Tuesday or something weird? Yeah. So I think it was actually uh, we went Wednesday or we went Tuesday and we played game one Wednesday and it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then I remember the first two games i think we you know we just put together kind of 15 to 16 guys and then uh, come the week come friday we had a couple more guys show up but you know we lost friday and then that was it but i mean it's such a tough thing to do and it's the same you know it's the same for everybody you know when southeast came to rosetown those couple years you know the first couple games they only brought 12 or 13 so it's you know it's fair for everybody but it's a real tough thing to do but yeah and i think once we found out that you know, we had the free ride down cup, you know, the guys in Shelbrook did a, you know, tried to do the best they could to get guys prepared for the Allen cup. But I mean, if you're not playing like those, those games against Rosetown, if we would have been able to play the 2014 series in 2016 with the same outcome where we got to go to the Allen cup, I bet you it would have went a long ways come Allen cup time, but you know, you can only practice for so long. And, you know, I think that year, uh, playing in Beachy, I think, I think we lost in the first round of provincials and first round of league. So we're done, you know, mid February. And now it's like, well, the Allen Cup's not till the middle of April. What am I going to do for two months? And very frustrating day. I think I was uh, quite heated. I would have been on Twitter, I think, at that point in time and was 
uh, tweeting Hockey Canada and everything about the Allen Cup and it was it was a melee and like Steve said we were four o'clock games so you're there you know and you're whatever you're restless throughout the day and you you finally get there you're zero and two you know you got to win or you're going home and like you know big deal uh, big deal for myself big deal for the Elks big deal for everybody in the room and uh, yeah there was just more commotion than usual but we'd gone out for our warm-ups we'd come off for our warm-ups we had gone back on the ice and we were on the blue lines for the anthem and the door was still open for them to come out they didn't come out for warm-ups and they're still we're still waiting there we're waiting there we're waiting there we're lined up and then we're kind of the refs are like no get off the ice (laughs) we're like what the what what is going on here Yeah, so that's the senior hockey soiree for Freeze Tallman Lumber. If you want to listen to some AAA senior stories, that's the one you can tune into there. Uh, yeah, Shelbrook, man, they had a freaking lot of good players. Totally forgot how many ex-pro guys and ex-Russ Nielsen played with them. I had no idea. Yeah, they had freaking really good teams. So De Silva and Thompson uh, do a good job on that one. And then we have one coming up, Boz, too, for the senior hockey fans out there with the uh, – the wagon that is the border kings yeah we're going to be working on that in the next couple of weeks they had a couple of good runs in lloyd minster was it oh three oh seven ellen cups they won, i know they won they won it in 2001 the first one One, sorry yeah then they won it in 07 yeah lost in 12 they hosted it right yeah they got some good stories though we got a couple of weapons from those teams coming on they went to poland and uh partied it up in Poland after they won the one year. So lots of good stories with some gems from that team uh, in a future senior hockey soiree. This is Mrs. K, head massage therapist of your Ryan Rockets. Sean, take a seat, son. 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 Now time for take a seat, son. One of the favorite uh, parts of the episode each week. Brought to you by the Rusty Shovel. I don't know, guys. Uh, it's got to be that time, right? Like peak uh, landscape yard time with the weather warming up. I'd imagine the Rusty Shovel's getting lots of uh, quotes going out the door. Outdoor fireplace. God, I want an outdoor fireplace. This is the time. You got to get them booked in now, boys, because it's filling up fast. Don't be dirt in the backyard, guy. When you want to have people over for a barbecue, your wife's mad at you. Your barbecue's yeah. falling off the deck because it's not yeah. put to the you know, screwed yeah. under the house right. And then you got call weeds. Sean. Yeah, call Sean and the boys on Russia. You don't have to call him. Send a picture, like I said, picture, a couple of, uh, couple measurements, and uh, yeah, they'll fire you off a coat and get D- you rocking first thing in the spring here. Don't be weed guy. Unfinished oh. basement and unfinished yard guy. Oh, just buy a condo then. Yeah. I like how you fit that in there. You'll be rocking, you know, landscaping, attaboy belts. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. Do you need some help over there, Sean? Sean, call Sean. Let's go. I'm confused. Who's, who's firing it up tonight? Sean, you must it's time for you to start something off in the program. Well, I know that you guys got some good ones. So the only thing I want to tell take a seat is those pigeons that use first and last names every time they talk about somebody. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know if it's embarrassing. So everybody that uses first last names. We're like talk about somebody. Take a seat. Sean, take a seat, son. An hour and forty-five minutes into this show, and that's still all you got. You're like, you're, you're like Peter grinds my gears. 
Boz grinds my gears. All right. Okay, so that's Sean Kindops. Boz, you going next? <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sean Kindops was pretty uh, weak <laughs> as per. Yeah, you know what? Like I said, boys, I will go back to the well, and I'm going to go back next door to DeVito. So I'll tell you, I'm actually going to kind of take a seat myself on this one because I hate her so much that what I did was she stuck up all these. I think I don't know if I talked about this last show, but she stuck up uh, sandbags along the fence that she put on our driveway. So none of the water is all on my side. Right. So I solved that problem. I actually filled up the whole gap with snow, like tons of snow. And then I brought my hose out of my garage with hot water soaked the snow to turn it into ice so it's rock solid now so all their water has to stay on their side and can't go on my side it took me about an hour and is the best hour of my life so take a seat to myself on that one take a seat son i need to facebook live this stuff it was classic and then do it to her front steps well she sees it for sure because they have video cameras on me all the time so do you do it naked i guess that's course. can't probably can't you're not on the phone. Just an Amy. Just got the uh, just got the speedo on. We got to get some nooner speedos just for that. Keep promoting. Too small of advertisements. <laughs> I got uh, I got one, and I <laughs> loud muffler guy. What what are you What are you doing? <laughs> it's like a, it's like a ninety four <laughs> Civic. It's not fast. And it's just loud down Louvain and, and stops at the light and then like gears up and then like, I don't know. It's just, I've never got loud muffler guy. Loud muffler guy, take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Yeah, I talked last week about lowball offer guy. Uh, out of vehicle for sale, still for sale. If anybody's interested, give me a dingle. Uh, lowball offer guy who offers less than 50% of your asking price and continues to ask that same price even though you reject their offer. Well, I had a guy that I organized a meeting with the guy to come look at my car, 6.30 a.m. to accommodate both of our schedules, 6.30 in the morning. He made it. He's like, I'll let you know tomorrow. I got to make up my mind. I just moved here. I'm going to look at a couple others, right? In the meantime, I got another guy who's like, I want it. I'm bringing cash. Let's go. So I'm like, okay, well, if you bring cash first, you can have the car, right? So he's messaging me all day while I'm moving all weekend. I'm just busy and rushing back to meet this guy. Well, he doesn't show up. Yep. I rearranged my whole weekend to try and sell this freaking car and meet this guy. And he no shows me when it's time to uh, do the deal. Never did reply ever. Like Brutal. even now he still hasn't replied. Just uh, yeah. No showed me. So take a, take seat, a no seat. show guy. Take a seat, son. You know what? It's uh, we haven't we haven't talked much about the weather, but it is warming up. So Big when we time. talk, yeah. So when we talk about air plumbing and heating, we're gonna actually start. We're start, you know, shifting those gears back up into fifth. Get the windows rolled down, cool ourselves off a little bit because she's gonna get warm out. So guess what? Air plumbing and heating. Those guys can put in a Lennox air conditioner for you as well. Make sure your furnace and AC are running tip top. Uh, Plumbing, heating, barbecue lines, gas lines. They can do it all. 50 years in business in Regina. Give those guys a call. Curtis and the guys down there, they're awesome. And the ladies down there, everyone's fantastic. That brings us into our hunting, fishing, tirade, collectible. Uh, what else, Sean? What else we got on that in this series? Hunting, fishing, collectible. We had Gub on last week. He was great. 
I'm going to go back to a little bit of collectibles this week. Everybody, everybody wants to know the collectible world is doing slowing down a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you guys. The cards are slowing down. The, uh, the vintage stuff's always going to be there. So that stuff's still moving around a little bit. The grading companies have like doubled their pricing. If that really interests anyone on here, but I'll tell you one thing that's still really hot. If you guys can get your hands on a double CCM, Wayne Gretzky signed Jersey with an upper deck certification of authenticity going for around 4k. And, uh, yeah, I know they've really increased in price. So that is collectible corner for this week. I don't got much on the hunting and fishing side or tirade. I don't got much. I'm, Hey, I've been in a good mood this week. I had four beers today before the show. So I'm actually in a G dubs as well. The great Western. Why don't you get some shirts in in the mail then? That was a longer, I was busy. (laughs) This isn't a chirp to him, but that was a Chris Dingman story. You what? just Which kept one? going there. You're like the Energizer Bunny there. You just uh, kept going and going. Let's and go. going. Well, I got to keep filling in. Sean Kindop doesn't add much to the show anymore, so I feel like I'm feeding two here tonight, and I got to keep rocking and rolling. Did you get your hair cut at Sport Clips? I was, I was curious about that. I do. Me? And I, oh, me or, or Buzz? You. You got your hair cut, yeah. it looks like. Yeah, no, I, I do, and I'm going again because, as you can tell, the uh, – Old Mohawk's growing out. I know Sean's losing his luster for me because I don't have the uh, chuck going anymore, so I'm going to have to head back there for a little head massage and a, and a oh, cut. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I didn't really mention this during the show, but I actually just moved out of Regina, and the last place I went was Sport Clips. I needed a quick cut before I left town, and I'm like, oh, Sport Clips is right there. So I wheeled in. I actually booked online like 20 minutes in advance. It came out the protocols and said, Hey, you're next walked in, got her all buzzed up and uh, yeah. Got a nice cut from sport clips, Regina. Why would they do guy? anything with your duster? Then I put on uh, Garth Brooks that summer and the sun was setting and I left town. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to and go. Just for mend your upper lip. <laughs> <laughs> does it look like I have a duster? I think it's just the, uh, the lighting. It does. It does, it does look like, looks, I don't have a duster. Like you have a fantastic a duster. Well, next week. setting the tone for the new city with the gals. Like it, en- it ends like just past your lower lip, too. Like, it's perfect. That's what it looks like. But Thanks, anyway. boys. It's like a half yeah. handlebar. Next, okay, shut next, up. Next week, uh, next week, next <laughs> program. Hopefully, uh, we're going to be talking WHL hockey. We'll be getting close. Hopefully, everybody uh, stays safe there. Oh, the BC League. Dave Price, realtor of choice up in Saskatoon. He'll be happy. His son is... Uh, is going to be playing. They're going to be playing the BC bubble. So hopefully, oh, I don't know if his son gets to go. He's first round, second round pick. So hopefully Caden gets to go. One last thing I wanted to say before the end of the show, uh, should have mentioned it in the shout outs as well. High tech profiles, our friends uh, in Regina, they actually just opened up a new location in Saskatoon. So congratulations to uh, Trent, the whole high tech profiles team on that expansion. We're excited for them. Uh, up in Saskatoon. I smell live pod from the, you know, a nice a nice Friday summer live pod in Saskatoon. A little barbecue action, some 016s. Spring. Spring gets around the corner. We got to remember we got that other uh, high tech profiles fire pit. So uh, stay tuned for for that bad boy as well as the weather warms up. Gucci mama. That'll do it for twirl forty four. Have a great week, everybody. Good job, Chuck. Don't know what to tell you. Don't know who to turn to, don't know what I could do, how do I